0: Good morning, church. My name is Lance Stockton. If you're new with us, thanks for being here. We're so glad to have you. We are in the middle of a conversation about how faith works. And so if you have your Bibles with you, grab those, open to James chapter three. Um, We're going to start and end at the same place this morning. We're going to start asking for the Holy Spirit to help us, and we're going to end asking the Holy Spirit to help us. So let me pray for us. Uh, Join me. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you every day, uh, but when it comes to what we're talking about this morning, we need you to work. James makes it clear we can't do this apart from you, and so we ask this morning that you would work in us, that you would soften our hearts, that we would hear your words, that would change our lives to become more like you, Jesus. And we pray these things in your precious name. Amen. Uh, congratulations, Paul and Jen. I don't have any announcements this morning about, uh, my wife and I, uh, so just throw that out there right now. We're good. We've got two. That's enough. Um, (laughs) there it is, right? This morning, uh, we're going to be looking at James and I wanted to just jump straight in because, um, this one, this one has been tough this week. I'm not going to lie. As I've studied, as I've thought through this, um, there's some things we're going to... Well, let me just get into it. All right, James chapter three, verse one. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. We're just going to stop there, verse one, because that's a warning to all of us in this room, including myself, right? I don't know if you've ever heard this saying, but... um, When you point one finger at somebody else, I'll try this, look up here and try this. Just point at me, everybody point at me. Yep, everybody, there you go, good job. This is weird. Uh, Point at me, right? One finger at me, it's kind of hidden, but you got to turn your hand a little bit. You're pointing how many at yourself? Three, right? Three, right back at yourself. So this morning, as I stand up here on stage, I realize as I point the finger at you at this verse, James is saying, hey, look, buddy, you're pointing three back at yourself, right? James is addressing those in his culture who want to have the desire to become teachers of the word of God. And he says, not many of you should actually want to do that because you're gonna be judged more strictly if you do. So with that in consideration this past week, I need to just pause and I need to apologize. Last, uh, two weeks ago, I preached on James chapter one, the tail end uh, last few verses. And in that sermon, I had said uh, that if I didn't know your name, that you must not attend White River. Now, I did not mean what I said, right? Because I don't know everybody's name in this room. But when I said that, uh, it was brought to my attention that maybe I communicated that because I don't know your name, then you don't belong here. And that's not true. Right, what I was trying to say is I meet people in public sometimes And they will tell me they attend here and they'll tell me, oh, I love Pastor So-and-so. They haven't worked here for six years. Or I love your guys' Thursday night service. We haven't had Thursday night service for three years. right? And so obviously you haven't been to our church recently. right? But let me apologize because when we're talking about words as we are today, um, I misspoke. And so if I caused you to question whether you belonged here or maybe hesitate because I don't know you I'm not that big of a deal. And so I apologize. Because what James tells us is that our words matter. And in fact, I'm so thankful for the very next start of the verse, too. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, myself included, right? The pastor makes lots of mistakes, and uh, I, I need to own those when I do. And so I apologize this morning. Now he goes on to say this, for if we could control our tongues, we'd be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way, in every other way. James makes it this point, if we could control our tongues. Now he says, if, why? Because it's not easy. Because it's not for the faint of heart. It's not for, oh, maybe it'll just happen right? It says, if we could control our tongues, because it's not easy to control the words that we say, right? Our emotions get locked up into things, and then we just speak, and all of a sudden our tongue's going, and we have no idea what we're saying. Anybody else that ever happened to hear? Anybody? Okay, good. Some of you. It's not just the pastor. That's good to know, right? Here's our bottom line for this morning. Here's what I want you to hear and understand from this passage. This is what James is telling us that taming our tongues takes intentionality. Taming our tongues takes intentionality. Uh, my, my mom used to say this Did you think before you spoke, right there? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> No. Right? Like, like, I love that when your mom asks you questions that you're like, she already knows the answer to. You're like, Why'd you even ask that? You know I did. I'm like, no, I'm in trouble right now. <laughs> like, no, not at all. Because why? Because it's so hard for us to control this. Now James goes on and he gives us some pictures, okay? And this is, he's trying to communicate how hard this actually is. Verse three, we can take a large horse, go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. He, he says, listen, it's like, I don't know if you, wild horse, like I don't know, we're in Indiana, right? We don't. Most of the horses we don't see are, are wild, right? But you think about a wild horse, it's a beast. It's, it's something that you don't want to approach. We went on vacation a couple of years ago and we were on this island and it was weird because this island and, and off of, I think it's North or South Carolina, um, it, it, they have like wild horses that when uh, we settled in the United States, they, they use this island as kind of a, a base. And then when they moved over to the mainland, they just left everything there. There's like a castle there. It's awesome. But there's wild horses everywhere, they're just free. And, and like, I don't know, I can't tell you how many signs are listed throughout the island. Please do not approach the horse, right? These are wild horse. They don't want the liability of you walking up and being oh, it's so cute. You know, like it just doing whatever horses do, right? Kicks you, runs you over, nips you, bites you, right? You're not allowed to approach them. They're beautiful horse, but they're uncontrollable unless... Someone were were to take a small bit and put it in their mouth and all of a sudden you have complete control of the horse. I pull this way, we go this way. I pull that way, we go that way. I pull back, we stop. Something so small can control something so massive and so powerful. Think of a ship. The rudder is probably the most pointless other than what it actually does, right? You think about just what a rudder does. You know, like, what is that? That doesn't seem like a big deal except for when the ship's moving and the pilot decides, yep, we're going to go this way. And all of a sudden, just that one little thing directs a massive ship. Notice what he says. I love the words he uses. A large horse by means of a small bit. A small rudder in a huge ship. In the same way, our small tongues make these grand speeches. And see, I think... James is kind of drawing out two things here. Uh, he does in the next part of the verse too. A tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. There's two ways our tongues get us in trouble. I want us to know both of them this morning. Grand speeches. Anybody in here ever made a grand speech about yourself? Maybe uh, you told a little bit of a fib so that way you sounded better. Maybe you just exaggerated or maybe you're just really, really excited about yourself, Right? When we make grand speeches, we're talking about and we're uplifting who? Us. James says, this small tongue in our mouth makes these grand speeches that lead us to exaggerating about who we are and how great we are. But notice the next one, he says, but but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. I don't know um, if you've ever heard this story, but in 2020, This doesn't have to do with the pandemic, don't worry. Uh, In 2020 was like the height of gender reveal parties. Okay, have you ever seen this? My favorite thing to do sometimes is to watch gender reveal fails. I mean, there's commercials about these, right? The other night, I like spent probably 15 minutes laughing in bed because I had watched. I had watched these videos right before I go to bed because I like to laugh before I fall asleep for some reason. Anyways, right? This guy had this basketball. It's wet. The pavement's wet. You're like, this is a bad idea, dude. Don't dunk the ball. I would just, you know, throw it at the backboard and we'll figure out what you have. Nope, we're going to go for it, right? He takes off and boom, right? Flat on his back. And what happens? He squeezes his hands, busts the basketball, and he's covered in blue dust. Like, it's a boy. <laughs> You know, dude's flat on his back, probably going to be seeing the chiropractor tomorrow and they're having a boy. Um, but anyways, in 2020, there's this, as a side note, ADD. Um, 2020, there's this couple in Southern California they have a gender reveal party. And they decide that the way they're going to reveal uh, the sex of their child is to have a smoke bomb. And so they light the smoke bomb and sit it down on the ground, Um, And, you know, it burns down and all of a sudden it starts to poof up smoke. And I don't even know whether they're having a boy or a girl. That doesn't matter at this point, right? But what they didn't anticipate happening was that small spark would set their lawn on fire, set the forest behind their house on fire. It would go on to burn 23,000 acres of land, consume five homes, 15 buildings, and kill one firefighter. A, A small... Spark can create massive forest fire. James says the same thing is true of your tongue. When you slander, it might be small to you, but it's massive to somebody else. When you gossip, it might not be a big deal to you, but it's a forest fire for somebody else. When you repeat something that you're not even sure is true and you've heard it from that person who heard it from that person who heard it that person, not a big deal to you. Small spark can create a massive forest fire. James says, we have got to be intentional about controlling our tongues, about taming our tongues. I filled in for my son's fifth grade basketball team a Tuesday night at practice. And uh, when we got to the Chalk Talk, which is where we do the Devo in the middle of practice, um, we we all gather our teams and we we talk about Jesus for a few minutes. And uh, I didn't have the notes uh, because the coach forgot to give me those. So I'm like, you know what? I'm a pastor. This is what I do all the time. Let's just talk about what we're going to preach about this Sunday. We're going to give a little mini sermon to these fifth graders. And so I gave them the small spark, right? And I told them the story. And these kids, you know, they're fifth graders. So they're just like, oh, that's awesome. Like, oh, No, it's not. Somebody died, okay? Like, it's not awesome, all right? Like, but I said, what, what would be a small, tiny spark in your guys' world? And he, fifth graders, fifth graders. Oh, when I want to talk about somebody that I know it's not true, but I still tell other people that it's not true because it makes me feel better. One of the boys said, fifth grade. Oh, well, when, when I, I know it's not true, but it sounds better when I retell a story and I add to it a little bit to make them sound even worse. These are fifth graders and they get that. So we ended with the same challenge we'll end with today and I'll get there in a minute, but I, it, was, it was amazing to me as 11 and 12 year old boys, they, they understood the power of their tongues and the thing is, I think you and I would say, yeah, I understand that. But the question is, how well are you taming that? How intentional are you being about what it does come out of your mouth? Because James says, whew, James says in verse 6, Among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire for it is set on fire by hell itself. Our tongues either free us or condemn us. Our tongues either start forest fires or keep them from starting. And you see, James understood what Jesus knew here, turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. Because Jesus got this. He understood this. Jesus taught about this. James would have probably have known this story, heard this story, heard Jesus maybe even teach about this. But in James chapter 12, uh, Jesus has just healed this demon possessed man. And, and the Pharisees, the church people, are looking at him like, you know, you're casting out evil and you must be evil. And Jesus' is like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And he goes in, that's a whole another sermon for another day. But, At the end of it, he talks to them about, hey, you know what? What you guys say actually is important too. And so uh, in 12, verse 33, he says, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes, how how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of good heart. And the evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. See, Jesus understood this. Like It has to do with what we put in our hearts. The words that we speak have to do with what we're storing inside here. From a good heart comes good things and good words. From an evil heart come evil things and evil words. And so you got to pay attention to what you're putting in your hearts. Now, you all know that I accepted Jesus as a freshman in high school, but before that, in my home growing up, Cuss words were just kind of a regular thing, not like in an abusive way. It just, when something bad happened, there was a cuss word that was used. And so for me, I just assumed those words. And and honestly, by eighth grade, freshman year, I just thought that that actually, I consciously thought that made me cooler if I could put more cuss words in a sentence than real words, right? And so I would try to do that, especially like on the basketball court when I got heated and mad and frustrated. And so they just come spewing out of me. And then I accepted Jesus. And I will never forget this. Like, I realized the first thing that changed about me when I accepted Jesus was my mouth. And I was like, how'd that work? You know, like, I, I, how, why did that change? I remember thinking that to myself. And I realized, because it was, I, don't realize, I didn't realize that then, right? I couldn't figure that out then. I didn't understand why it changed. But, but now when I look back on it, it's because I was being intentional. I was being intentional about what I read. I was spending time actually reading the word of God. I was being intentional about what I heard. I went from listening to Tupac to wild wow, worship, okay? Like I was putting good things in. I started being intentional about who I was hanging out with. But like the people I surrounded myself weren't using that kind of language. And then all of a sudden, what happened? Neither was I. So we have to pay attention to those who we surround ourselves with, what we listen to. We have to be intentional about what we're reading, what we're putting before ourselves. And even now, sometimes I like to listen to some of the music that I listened to then. And then when I start to, I'm tempted to do what? To to use the same language. And the thing is, is that you're either being intentional to cause yourself freedom the words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. To bring you freedom or you're being intentional and you just don't know it. To, to condemn yourself. That's oh, not that big a deal in my life. I, I'm gonna check out and figure out where to go to lunch. I don't need this sermon. You're being intentional, choosing to not pay attention to what James is saying to us today. Let's go back to James. So we've got to be intentional about what we're storing in our hearts, because what we store in our hearts comes out of our mouths. And I would even say, to put it in the language of this series, that if our faith works, then our words would be uplifting. If our faith really is working, then what you say should point to what you believe should be obvious. I've met people before in my life where I'm like, I just, I know after talking to them, they love Jesus. Or hearing them talk, I'm like, how? Like, you just know. I ask myself often, is what I say and the words that I use, would would somebody say, yeah, that guy, he loves Jesus? Or would they listen to me, talk to my kids in my house and be like, yeah, nope, he doesn't love Jesus, right? Talk to my coworkers. Talk to people who are just out and about in public. James continues. I wish he would have stopped, but he continues. All right? People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It's a restless and evil, full of deadly poison. We can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, fish. No one can tame the time. Oh, well, James just said right there, we can't do it. So just don't try. Eh. Wrong answer. What James is saying is you can't do it by yourself. You think you can, good luck. See how you do with that. James is telling us is not only do we have to be intentional about what goes in our hearts, we have to be intentional about asking the Holy Spirit for help. We have to be intentional about leaning into the Holy Spirit because he is the one who is doing what? Making you and I look more like Jesus. And so sometimes what that means is that we gotta be intentional asking the Holy Spirit to help us not talk so greatly about ourselves. Or not talk so severely about others. And other times we have to rely on the Holy Spirit because we got to turn to him and just say, hey, listen, I messed up today. I need you to forgive me and I need you to correct me. I need you to help me. Remember verse two, indeed, we all make many mistakes. James knew that you were going to need more than just you. He knew you were going to need the Holy Spirit's help to do this and do it well. So lean into and use the Holy Spirit in that way. And then verse nine, verse nine. I don't like verse nine, okay? Just gonna throw that out there. Verse nine, sometimes it praises our Lord and Father and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Let that sink in. Sometimes it praises our Lord like we were just doing. And sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Anybody ever done that in a day? Anybody ever done that in an hour? No, just me come to church, we praise the Lord with our tongue and we go to lunch and have the most incompetent, slowest waiter on the face of planet earth. And we do what with our tongues? We get angry. We talk about how terrible of a waiter they are. God's own creation that we were just praising him with. We're now talking bad about him with. If that's not convicting, I don't know what is. If that doesn't make you think, gosh, I need the Holy Spirit, I don't know what else will. Because I read that line this week and thought, "I, I prayed right before I walked up here. I'm not worthy to give this one. And so blessings and curse, cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble up with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Listen, you and I praising God in this hour and in the next Cursing his creation is as nonsensical as a spring producing both fresh and salt water, as a grape tree producing apples. It does not make sense. And I'll say this because, and I feel like this is said a lot in Christian world and Christendom, but we wonder why people don't love Jesus. Because pastors like me walk out and use their tongue to spew evil. Because people in congregations like this come and praise God and then walk out and talk bad about their coworkers and their family and their friends. And people who don't know Jesus look at it and say, Wow, they're real different. And I'm just to be honest, this one stinks. What does James say? We have got to be intentional about taming our tongue, and we've got to remember that we all make mistakes. That's for you, and that's for that waiter you're going to have today at lunch. That's to remember Jesus died on a cross for you and I, but he also died on a cross for that person who, who knows what's going on in their world. I'll leave you with this. My, uh, my, uh, some time ago, I can't tell you even when it was, we all remember it, um, but my son Taylor and my daughter Emma, and I got permission from Taylor to tell this story, so please know that ahead of time. Um, it's about him. We jumped in the car, all three of us together, the two of them in the backseat. Now my son is very well-mannered, um, sweet-hearted. He's an empath, so he feels what everybody feels, and he is extremely sweet to two specific people in his world, and that is his mother and his sister. But on certain days, he cannot be, right? It doesn't happen very often, but on this particular day, we jumped in the car, and as we're pulling away from the house, he was after her. I mean, just being flat out mean. And finally, dad got to the breaking point, and I said, that's enough! To which right back, As fast as I said that, he said, I know, Dad. I know I'm being a jerk. I just don't know what to do about it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you say to that as a parent. What comes next? The kid knows. I didn't even call him a jerk. What do I do about it? Don't be a jerk this week. Be intentional about taming your tongue. And understand we all make mistakes. And we need the Holy Spirit's help. Holy Spirit, we need you. If we could tame our tongue, we could tame our entire body. And yet we so struggle to tame our tongue. With it, we give you the highest of praise. And with it, we can tear down that which you created. Holy Spirit, would you forgive us? Jesus, would you forgive us this week for talking in a manner that does not honor you? Whether that be about us and how great we are or whether that be others and how awful they are. And would you allow us to heed all of our grandmother's advice that if we don't have anything good to say, just don't say anything at all. Help us this week to tame our tongues for your glory, your honor, and for your praise. We love you, Jesus. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen.